joy to be here. Thank you for the invitation, your kindness. Aren't you glad Brother Wells in D.C.? We're thankful God's got a work going in that city. Some years ago, we took our teenagers up there to, to uh, the Capitol, and, and you get on the tour bus, on and off the tour bus. It takes you all the, all the monuments. And the, the woman was, was uh, doing the, the guide announcements on the bus. She says, we went by the National Mall. She said, this is, this is the National Mall. You can put a soapbox there and stand on it and say anything you want to say. Do you know why? And someone in the back of the bus said, the First Amendment. She said, no, 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 no. Somebody else said, freedom. And she said, no, 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 no. And somebody else said, it's the United States of America. She said, no, you can stand there and say anything you want because nobody's listening to you. (laughs) I've remembered that. (laughs) Say what you want. Everybody's on their way. They're busy. All right. Well, brother, brother Wells. He brought a message on witnessing, and whenever, whenever a church or a, a conference like this, whenever people hear a message about witnessing, the, the reaction in the heart is never, that's wrong, I shouldn't do that. And the reaction in the heart is, is never, I don't agree with him. The reaction in the heart is, I, I'm afraid to do it because someone will ask me questions I can't answer. Someone will present me with a scenario and I won't know how to respond. And the message that I I brought with me for this evening, I'm staying with it because the man in this passage is the answer. If you know the gospel, this is the only other thing you know to go door knocking. This is the only other thing you know to be a witness on your job. This one man answers Every argument of every religion that you will encounter if you go with your church on visitation every week for the rest of the year. Lord, help us. Heavenly Father, bless your word to hearts tonight, we pray in Jesus' name, and amen. Luke chapter 23, Luke chapter 23, and we'll start reading at verse number 39. I, I understand, I'm, I'm, I'm standing in the pulpit uh, pa- Pastor Sal for all those years, Brother Marshall for what seems like all those years. There, there is little that I can say to this gathering of people that you haven't heard a dozen times. But often in our church, I find we have men come in to preach and, and they'll bring a message. And afterwards the people say, oh, that was wonderful. I never heard that before. Hello, three months ago, <laughs> that very passage so maybe, maybe a different voice will, will, will strike a different chord in your heart. But the Bible says in Luke 23, verse 39, One of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. I'm going to finish with this thief, but I, I just want to say a word about him before we move along. This man expresses the desire of most religious people in America today. This man expresses the, the heart attitude of almost all unsaved people in your land today. They want a Jesus to save their bodies. They don't want a Jesus to save their souls. They want a Jesus to get them out of their troubles, not to get them out of hell. They want a Jesus to make the bad things in their life good things. They don't want a Savior to deliver them from their sins. This man is is asking Jesus to save him, but not to save him from his sins. 
To not, not to save him from the wages of those sins, but to save him from dying on this cross. If, you, if you're who you say you are, get me out of this problem. Many people that walk our aisles and then vanish. Many people who say a sinner's prayer and then wash out. They came to Jesus with a problem. They didn't come to Jesus for the reason they needed to come to Jesus. They didn't come for the saving of their soul. They came because they're in a bad spot and maybe he can help me. My rabbit's foot didn't help. My lucky charm didn't help. My horoscope didn't help. Maybe Jesus can help me. So that's the problem this man. We'll get back to him in a minute. Verse, verse number 40 says, But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? If you're here tonight and you're saved, the first thing you had to do, whether you knew it or not, the first thing you did, whether you understood it or not, is the first thing this man did. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is a beginning of wisdom. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is a beginning of knowledge. The Bible says by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. You live in a nation of fornicators, of drunks, of liars, of immoral perverts, and they're not afraid of God. That's a problem. That's a problem. You, you live in a nation today when, when the average person goes to the average church uh, across all denominational lines and the sissy preachers never warn them to flee from the wrath to come. And the sissy preachers never tell them that God Almighty is holy and just and righteous and they will stand before him to give account for their sin if those sins are not forgiven. This man came to the startling realization, I am in trouble with God. Not the big man upstairs, not the good guy, not, not daddy, a holy, righteous, pure, just God. And death is walking right up that hill to take that man out on Calvary that afternoon. And he did, he wised up. He got scared. He became afraid to die in the condition he was in. Now, I'm just going to tell you something. Uh, people used to get saved by the hundreds. Every Sunday in, in independent fundamental churches in the United States of America. You know why? Because they were afraid of God. So I don't think people ought to be afraid of God. Well, look what you've got as a result of that. God is a loving God. He's a merciful God. He's a gracious God. He's a forgiving God. He's a compassionate God. But right now, if you're not saved, you're under his wrath. Right now, if you're not saved, you are sentenced to, to be judged, not by his love, but by his word. And not by his grace, but by his holiness. You, you understand? And, and if you're saved tonight, that salvation was preceded by the realization that I'm not okay. I'm not right. I can't die like this. I'll tell you, it was two years from the time I got under genuine conviction of my sin until I finally got saved. And I'm not bragging, young people. I'm not bragging, but I'm telling you something. I didn't want to get saved because I was enjoying sin. I, I, I wasn't a mission bomb. I wasn't an inmate locked up in prison. I wasn't dying of some disease that I, I, I drank for so long that my liver was gone. I was in the prime of life, in the prime of sin, and having a good time. And the only people I knew that went to church acted like they hated it. They might not have, but they acted like it. 
But I'm telling you something, that, that preacher preached that morning, I was 16 years old, sitting right back about here, and, and that, that man got up and preached. I don't know what he preached, I couldn't tell you. I don't know what the sermon was, I couldn't tell you. But I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit of God put fear in my heart. The Holy Spirit of God put conviction in my soul. And for two years, I can remember be, being in a situation I shouldn't have been in. I, I'm telling the truth, as an unsaved man praying, God, don't let me die tonight, I don't want to go to hell. So what a terrible way to live. But I live that way. I'm telling you, this man, this man, he is hanging on a cross. He is, he is gasping for breath. He's only got a few hours left to live. And he comes to an important, amazing realization. I'm going to die in my sins. And I'm afraid to meet God in this condition. You know, some, some of you, you might not say it this way, but I, I'd say this. I hear people all the time to say, the greatest day in my life was the day I got saved. I, I'm not denying that was the co-greatest day in my life. But the greatest day in my life, right, right side by side with the day I got saved, was the day I realized I needed to be saved. Everybody in, in Toledo needs to be saved. They just don't know it. Everybody in Ohio needs to be born again. They just don't know it. Aren't you thankful for the day you came to the realization, I can't die like this? Praise the Lord. Well, look at the second thing. The Bible says here in verse number 40, the other answering said, uh, rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art of the same condemnation? And we indeed justly. If God, God the Holy Spirit, ever, I, I, I'm not, I don't want to use southern evangelistic terms. I don't want to use northern evangelistic terms. If I say a phrase and you say, Billy Graham said that one time and you must be a compromise. Listen, I'm just telling you something. I, I'm telling you right now, if the Holy Spirit of God ever begins to deal with your heart, you will stop saying, don't judge me. You will stop saying it's somebody else's fault. You will stop saying it's not all that bad. You'll stop saying, well, you don't know how I was raised. You will come to the realization, whatever God is about to do to me, I deserve it. You, you hear me? It, now listen, if you're saved tonight, you've come to that understanding. You have studied the Bible. You've searched the scriptures. We've sung two or three songs tonight about our having no merit. But doesn't it wear you out to knock on the door of a man who's living in adultery and he says, I don't think I'm all that bad. By whose standard? You try on the street corner to witness to a man. He's living in the woods because he drank away his family and his career. And he says, who are you to tell me that I'm not right with God? Do you, do you understand that, that realization that the Lord brought into your soul, that if I go to hell, God's not wrong. If I am suffer eternally for my transgressions, God is not wrong. I'm wrong. That thief is hanging there on that cross, and I don't know how far out he could lean, but he leans out far enough to look past Jesus Christ and see his fellow criminal and see his fellow inmate. And he says, what are you talking about, man? We deserve this. Coming to an altar is not in the Bible, but it wouldn't hurt you to do it. A mourner's bench isn't in the Bible, but it wouldn't hurt to get one out. 
I'm telling you, this nation is so proud, it's so haughty, it's so conceited. They sit in judgment of God. They say to the Lord, who are you to tell me I'm wrong? They say to the risen Christ, who are you to send a man to my house to tell me that I don't deserve to go to heaven? I'm telling you what this thief came to realize. And if you're here tonight and you're saved, I'll tell you what you came to realize. If I don't get some help, I'm doomed. If somebody doesn't lift me out of this situation I'm in, I'll never get out of it. And this thief hanging on that cross, he said, I deserve what's happening to me. Everybody here tonight saved. You had to come to that understanding. God's right, I'm wrong. God's holy, I'm not holy. God's just, I'm unjust. Look at the third thing here. The Bible says, we indeed justly, for we received the due reward of our deeds, but this man... How about that? But this man hath done nothing amiss. You know, the Holy Spirit doesn't allow us to read into the passage. You could say, was this fellow raised in a strict Jewish home? Did this man hear Jesus preach in some town or city? Was he there for one of those healing meetings? Did somebody come to the prison where he was and and warn him and, and give him the gospel such as it was in that time? Here's all we know. That man came to the realization, Jesus Christ is better than me. He's better than my friends. In fact, he's never done anything wrong. That's an amazing realization. I'm going to say this while I'm still allowed to say it in the USA. You ready? Muhammad was just another man. Buddha, if he ever lived, just another man. Confucius, just another man. 500 popes, just another man. 10,000 Baptist preachers, just another man. You know what the Bible says? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. You're not fooling anybody else. And the truth is not in us. But that fellow hanging there on that cross... He, he acknowledged the man hanging next to me does not deserve to die. He's not dying for his sins. He's not dying for his transgressions. He's not a criminal. He's in the wrong company. Have you ever gotten beyond your religion? They said, well, Jesus is a great teacher. If he's just a great teacher, we're all lost. Jesus was a good man. He's just a good man. We're all lost. Jesus set a good example for humanity. Then we're all lost. Somebody had to come and live as a man without sin, without iniquity, without transgression, or he couldn't die as your substitute. He couldn't take your place if he's just like you. But there's somebody dying over here, sinner. Somebody dying over here, sinner. Somebody dying in the middle. And the man over here said, that's not a sinner. That's not a sinner. I tell you, if you ever realize, if you ever realize you are under the judgment of God and you deserve it, you don't need somebody as messed up as you are to help you out. You need somebody who's never sinned to get you out of your sin. You need somebody who's never displeased the holy God to get you out from under his displeasure. And that man, I don't know where he heard it. I don't know if God just dropped it in his heart by grace. But I'm telling you, that thief dying on that cross next to Jesus Christ came to the realization he's not like anybody else. He's not a sinner. Hallelujah. 
Have you ever come to that understanding? Or are you just a church member? Come on, he's, he's, not, he's not one of one way to heaven. He's not one of the great religious figures of all time. He's the only person ever born of a woman who from the first breath that he drew to the last breath that he exhaled, never, never, never sinned. That's why he can save you. That's why he can die in your place. That's why he can pay your penalty. Has no penalty of his own to pay. If the wages of sin is death, he's not dying his own death because he hadn't sinned. He's got to be bearing somebody else's sins. Well, take a look. He says in verse number 42, and he said unto Jesus. Well, I'd like to tell you what he said next. But if you got an NIV, I can't tell you. If you got an ESV, I can't tell you. Reason, if you, if you visit tonight, the reason they put KJV, King James Version in that song about the Bible, is the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In the modern versions, take Lord right out of the mouth of this man. Now look what he said. He said unto Jesus, Lord, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. You know what that man did? He called on the name of the Lord. You know what that man didn't do? Now listen, listen, I I, I couldn't go out and witness because I'd run into this religion and that religion and this cult and that cult and they'd ask all these questions. Listen to me. You know what that man didn't do? He didn't get baptized. You know what he didn't do? He didn't join a church. You know what he didn't do? He didn't make restitution. You know what he didn't do? He didn't confess all his sins. You know what he didn't do? He didn't sell watchtowers. You know what he didn't do? He didn't go on a pilgrimage. You know what he didn't do? He didn't ride a bicycle and call himself an elder before he shaved. He can't do anything religious. He can't do anything religion says you have to do. He is hanging on a cross where he will die. He'll never get off that cross while he's alive. So he can't join anything. He can't settle any scores. He doesn't have any time for his good works to outweigh his bad. The only thing that man can do in his desperate dying hours is call on the name of the Lord. So you go knocking on a door, and whatever that man behind that door says, all you got to do is say, all I know is there was a man dying one day, and he called on the Lord, and it was good enough. Well, I think you got to do this, and I think you got to do that. I said, well, that may be what you were taught in your church, but I'm telling you, there's a man in his dying hour called on the name of the Lord, and that's all he had to do. He, he's answered everything. He said, well, I thought you had believed the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Well, let me ask you something. You're, you're dying on a cross and the man next to you, listen, this is, by faith, we, we believe what's in the Bible. Don't you believe what's in the Bible? I, I believe it's in the Bible. I believe Jesus Christ bled from his hands, his feet, his back, his brow. I believe that because it's in the Bible. This man watched it happen. You, you understand? That, that man was there when Jesus Christ whipped back was pressed up against that cross. He was there when the hands of Jesus Christ were nailed to that cross. He was there when the crown of thorns caused the blood to run down the face. He's right there looking at it. What do you mean when thou comest into thy kingdom? What kingdom? That man's dying. 
He's going to be dead before the sun sets. And somehow or another, I don't know what he heard. I don't know who told him. I don't know if God, by his grace, just dropped it in his heart. But that fellow dying next to Jesus testified that he believed that that wasn't the end of Jesus Christ. That man testified that he believed whatever they're doing to him today, it's not going to stop the plans he's announced. Praise the Lord. Well, how did it turn out for him? Verse number, <laughs> oh, this is amazing. Verse number 40, one, uh, 43, Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, comma. You say, why'd you read the comma? Well, because there's one, one big church and they moved the comma. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, today, comma, thou shalt be with me in paradise. That's how some of the modern versions read. Jesus didn't say, I make you a promise today that one day after a few hundred years in purgatory, and one day after we've got all the money out of your kinfolk that we can get out of them, you'll get to be. No, you know what Jesus said? I'm telling you, I'm telling you today, today, I'll be in paradise. You'll be in paradise. You and me will be together in paradise today. How about that? Isn't that a blessing? You say, you say, well, preacher, I'd, I'd go out, I'd go out and stand out there on the street corner and give out tracts. But what if somebody came down the sidewalk and they asked me some kind of question about religion or about salvation and, and I didn't know all the answers. You, oh, here's all you got to do. You can say, we have the only, listen, we have the only religion in the world. You don't have to read them all. I'm telling you, we have the only religion in the world where you can wake up in the morning on your way to hell and go to bed that night on your way to heaven. There's, there's not another one. There's not another one. We, there, there's no other faith, as they call them, in the world where you can wake up in the morning under the condemnation of a holy God and go to sleep that night safe in the hand of that same God. Not another one like it. There's, there's, no, other, there's no other brand or variety of, of worship where you can say to a man that walks in the back door while the preacher's preaching and tell that man, one hour from now, your eternal destiny can be changed. Praise the Lord. Now, you know what's so great about that? You know why we have nursing home ministries? Because people who don't have 40 years to even the balances can get saved. Because people who will never be able to leave that facility and go join a church. Because people who will never get out of a bed in an intensive care unit. People who will never walk out of hospice care to be baptized or catechized or, or christened or whatever. It doesn't matter. Flat on your back in the back of an ambulance, you can call on the name of the Lord. Walking down the hallway and death row to be strapped in the electric chair, you can call on the name of the Lord. Breathing your last breath in a nursing home, you can call on the name of the Lord. Isn't that amazing? It's wonderful. You, you understand, if you had one of these work-for-it religions, there would be large segments of the population you couldn't waste any time on. But if Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, then there's not one creature who can't be saved. Isn't that a blessing? Now, the Roman Empire, as, as, as Brother Wells and I have, have read about it, was not a very nice place. 
And boy, America's so bad. Nothing's ever been this bad before. Really, we have football games in our stadiums. They had animals eat people in their stadiums. That's bad stuff. Really bad. We don't, we don't, anyway, I'm not going to get all that Roman, but however bad that Roman Empire was, they thought that guy and that guy weren't fit to live in it. That's pretty bad. They are, they are putting these two thieves to death. Capital punishment. We don't want them in our society. We don't want them around our children. We don't want them influencing anyone. We don't want them stealing from anyone else. We don't want them killing anybody. Just get rid of them. They're, they're irredeemable. But Jesus could redeem him. He didn't rehab him. He redeemed him. You understand? He didn't, he didn't recover him. He redeemed him. It wasn't a process. It wasn't steps. You understand? That man is a condemned, vile, criminal, unfit for society. And that man hanging on the middle cross had enough love for his soul to save him in the hour of his death. Isn't that amazing? That's grace. Can I say a little something just is kind of off track, but, it, but it's not off track. The more you watch the news, the more you'll hate sinners. The more time you spend looking at current events, the more your heart will harden against your neighbors. All you read about is filth and wickedness and perversion and killing and stealing. You can't fill your mind with that stuff and have a love for souls. Jesus Christ is hanging next to a man who is not fit to live. But he loves him enough to save him if he'll only ask. Isn't that amazing? That's why we have prison ministries. That's why we have, have rescue mission ministries. That's why we go out on the street and talk to people that, that, that aren't coming to church. Why? Because Jesus Christ loves the unlovely. He redeems people. Society can't redeem. Praise the Lord. That man, listen, that man woke up in a prison cell, ate his last meal, walked up a hill and was strapped to a cross. And before the sun sets that night, they're going to break his legs. He's going to suffocate and die. And he was three hours from going to hell. And died and went to paradise. There's no religion in the world can do that for a man. There's no religion in the world can do that for a woman. Praise the Lord. These two fellows, I admire them for their, for their boldness. These, uh, these two uh, uh, Mormon missionaries in our town, they were coming, uh, talking to them one day. I said, why don't you come by, the, uh, come by and visit one day? And they said, we'll do that. And, and they came, to the, came by the church, and, and they, they talked about their uh, Mormon religion for a while. I said, is that it? And they said, well, yeah. I said, that's, that's all you got? And they said, yes. And I said, okay, no, no, let's walk out. And we walked out front. We got a big oak tree right in the middle of our parking lot. We'd like to tear it down, but it's a sacred, holy oak worshipped by the environmentalists in, in our county. And so, so we have to park around it. And anyway, so I said, fellas, if while we're talking, you hear tires squeal 
Brakes fail. A car, God forbid, a car smashes into that tree. We run out to that car. There's a man in the front seat. He's bleeding. He's going to bleed to death. No ambulance is going to get here in time to say he's going to bleed to death. He's going to be dead in five minutes. You can't help him. Joseph Smith can't help him. Your religion can't help him. I said, but this Bible, in the time it takes me to tell that man that Jesus Christ died for his sins and was buried and rose again, and if you'll call on Jesus Christ from a sincere and believing heart, he'll save you just as surely as he'd save you if you had 80 more years to live. That man can pass from death unto life. That man can be taken out of the hand of the devil and put in the hand of God and live forever. I said, you boys don't have that. You know you don't have that. But we do. We do. Say, where you get that? Thief on the cross. He's answered everything. He is. Once you know the gospel, all you need to know is the thief on the cross. Whatever they throw at you, well, what about him? I think you've got to be baptized. He wasn't. I think you've got to join the church. He didn't. He did what God asked you to do. Call on the name of the Lord. Now, before we're through, I want, I'm going to speak to the, maybe the one visitor, somebody invited you and you came tonight. Maybe the person's been, been in church for years and years and years. We had a lady last Sunday morning. She'd been coming faithfully almost every Sunday for a year and a half. She started to leave last Sunday morning. I, she, I started to shake her hand at the front door and she began to weep. She said, I'm not saved. I can't leave without Jesus. Maybe that's you. Maybe, maybe one of you young people that you said a prayer when you were seven because mom wanted you to, but now you're 17 and there's nothing to indicate that that was anything more than pleasing mom. I want to talk to you about this other thief. People say, if I ever get in trouble, I'll turn to God. He got in trouble and he didn't turn to God. When he was arrested, he didn't turn to God. When he was jailed, he didn't turn to God. When he was tried and convicted, he didn't turn to God. When they put him on death row, he didn't turn to God. When they hung him on, up on a cross to die, he didn't turn to God. What you need is faith, not trouble. What you need is trust, not a bad time. That man, listen, that man, he is, he is actually watching Jesus shed his blood to pay for his sins. Now, he, he shed his blood for your sins. This man's watching it happen. He died to take away transgression. This man's watching him die. And refused him. Died without Jesus Christ. He was that close to the Savior of the world. He was that close to the very precious sin-cleansing blood of Jesus Christ. And died cursing and swearing and rejecting the Lord. Do you know there's people sitting 30 feet from the preaching of the gospel week after week after week and walk out unchanged? It's a dangerous thing. It's a dangerous thing. Young lady, young man, nobody's trying to pick on you or single you out. But you might be like me. 16 under conviction, 17 under conviction, 18 under conviction, knowing, knowing if I die, I'll go to hell and yet not turn into Jesus because I didn't want to give up my sin. You better give it up. 
You better give it up. This man's going to be dead before the sun sets. And so will somebody in Northwest Ohio. That's a fact. I'm not wishing it on anybody. I'm telling you, you'd be wise to fear God if you're not saved. You'd be wise to understand that everyone doesn't know the day and hour of their death, but everyone's sentenced to die. And if you're here tonight, you're not saved. That man, that man on this, on this cross over here, he's that close to a savior. And he called on him. But this man over here, he's that close to a savior and died without him. Don't sit in a church like this. Don't sit through a service like this. Don't visit a place like this where you've heard in song and heard in sermon about Jesus Christ and then die without him. It'd be a terrible thing. That thief on the cross is a great, great picture of the saving grace of God. But that other thief dying on a cross is a tremendous warning. Just because you're close doesn't mean you're in. Just because you see it doesn't mean you've received it. And I urge you tonight, if you know Christ died for your sins, if you know Christ rose from the dead, if you know he's the only way of salvation, stop putting it off. You don't know you've got tomorrow. You don't know you've got another day. God's gracious, but he's to be feared. God's merciful, but you must receive his son, Jesus Christ. So that's kind of an odd thing in a Bible conference. I know, I know it is. The last 10 people I've led to the Lord, nine of them were church members. I'm not trying to talk anybody out of your salvation. I'm just telling you, you better do more than know about it. You better do more than, than have the intellectual information. That one fellow, you know what he did? Lord, remember me. That's all it took. So I wouldn't know what words to say. It's not the words. It's the calling from the heart. It's not the precision of the approach. It's the one to whom you come. Jesus said, him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. He didn't say him that cometh unto me and does these 10 steps that were in a, in a pamphlet. You come to him from a sincere and believing heart, he'll have mercy on you. But if you don't, you don't, you'll die without him. Serious matter. Serious matter. Say, preacher, I, I heard Brother Wells and God spoke to my heart. I really do. I really knew need to be a witness. But then I talked myself right back out of it because I thought I wouldn't know what to say. Let me help you. If you're ever talking to someone about Jesus and you don't know what to say, say, I know a man that never did anything religious, but in one hour, he went from hell to paradise. He went from lost to saved. All he had to do was call on the name of the Lord. And you, friend, can do that. He's answered everything. He surely is. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that you're willing to save sinners. We're so thankful that you're willing to pardon and forgive. 
Oh, Lord, we, we really, we really, truly have such need of a gracious Savior. But, Father, this generation really, truly has such need of understanding it's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. Have your way in invitation time at the close of the service, we ask in Jesus' name. And amen. I'm going to say as the pastor comes, this man sinned every day. All he was was a sinner every day of his life till he called upon Jesus. He's every one of us. He's every one of us. You're a sinner or you're a sinner who's called upon Jesus and been saved. It's not about what you've done. It's about what you haven't done. Have you called on Jesus as your Savior, if you've not, would you settle that tonight? If, you've, if you're fearful about witnessing, would you talk to the Lord about that? We have one more opportunity this evening. Pastor.